So three weeks ago, uh, we looked at our Father is with us and way beyond us. Last week, we looked at our Father is worthy. And this week, we will be looking at our Father is working. Our Father is working. He was working when a local Christian walked onto a hospital ward in Chennai, India, and gave a 17-year-old atheist a Bible and told this young man's mother to read to him from John chapter 14. Now, this young man was, was recovering from a failed attempt to commit suicide through swallowing poison. And our father was working when the mother reached John 19 and read, Because I live you also will live. Our father was working when that young Indian had that thought that this may be my only hope, a new way of living life as defined by the author of life. Our father was working when this young man committed his life to Christ, praying these words, Jesus, if you are the one who gives life as it's meant to be, I want it. Please get me out of this hospital bed well, and I promise I will leave no stone unturned in my, in, in my pursuit of truth. Our father was working on that day in the, 19, in the early 1960s when a suicidal teenage Indian atheist committed his life to Christ. This was the moment when this young soul crossed the border from death into life, from one kingdom into another. We could call this his Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 moment. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And what darkness this young man was in. And he's brought us into the kingdom of his son, who he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This man, this, this young 17-year-old who thought that his life was over, um, then went on to preach in more than 70 countries and authored more than 30 books as an ambassador of the king that he loves. And this, this Tuesday past, Ravi Zacharias died from cancer, age 74. This man who has spent his life helping thinkers uh, believe, thinkers believe and believers think. Last week we looked at Hallowed Be Your Name and we learned that this sentence is a heartfelt prayer. When I pray, Hallowed Be Your Name... I'm praying that God and his attributes, his, his, that his character increases in my field of view, that in, increases in size on the horizon of my life as I move closer to him, as I move into his orbit. Hallowed be your name is really me praying to God, God, would you change me? And it works. There was a moment this week when I was tempted to sin and I repeated scripture that I'd memorized and as I reminded myself of who my God is, he brought me through victorious. Hallowed be your name. God, change me. Now our focus this week is on Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, 
God can speak to us in the strangest ways, right? Like some of the best theology that I've heard is this line from a pop song uh, from 1987. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say in heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. She nailed it, right? Way to go, Belinda Carlisle. We'll make heaven a place on earth. And that's what Jesus is saying when he teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus tells us that we establish God's kingdom right here on this planet in your everyday life. You can literally be part of making heaven a place on earth. And the question is, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Last Sunday I said that Matthew 6 verse 9 is the believer praying, Jesus change me. And now verse 10 is the believer saying or praying, Jesus use me. Verse 9, Jesus, change me. Verse 10, Jesus, use me. God is a king, and he rules a kingdom, and he calls us to be part of its continual expansion. And so folks like you and me are part of this, Lord, let your kingdom come. So if verse 10 is to mean anything, then it means that if you are in Christ, then you are God's subject. You are God's servant. It it means that, that, that you exist to bring about God's purposes. It means that you have a sworn allegiance to someone. You have transferred from one kingdom into another. Listen to uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 in the English Standard Version. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves, of his beloved son. Now, I love that word transferred because it makes me think of those movies, right, where someone breaks into someone's office and then they're transferring a file from, from the computer, you know, onto their, you know, onto the little jump drive. And, uh, and then the night watchman is, is uh, moving closer and closer on his rounds and we see that it's at 85%, 87%. It seems to be going so slow, right? 89%, 91%, 95%, 98%, 99%, 1%. That file is transferred and the person grabs that jump drive and they get out of the office just in the nick of time. And that moment of tension is only resolved when 100% transfer is reached. Friends, when Jesus transfers us into his kingdom, it's 100%. We have crossed a boundary. We have moved. Our allegiance has changed forever. We used to live here and now we reside here. We used to be under the malevolent rule and cruel power of Satan. We were bound and trapped and living for self. But through Christ, we have transferred from the old way of sin and slavery to the freedom of the kingdom of Jesus where we serve him. Amen. 
Now, we often refer to this moment, this, this Colossians 1 verse 13 moment, this transfer. We often refer to that moment as salvation. We can now say that we've come into God's kingdom. So we've transferred from one kingdom to another. Amen. Hallelujah. But I think sometimes after that transfer has happened, it can sometimes feel like we're straddling that line, right? We uh, start to long for the old life like the Israelites longed for, longed for Egypt. Um, we forget, you know, the bondage and the shame and the regret of that former life. And we start to chafe under God's rule and our loyalties are maybe divided. Now, we've not crossed all the way back. We feel like we're still 90% in, in God's kingdom. We just want 10% for ourselves. Or maybe it's 80%. Or maybe it's 75%. And then we tell ourselves that, you know, 75% into God's kingdom is enough. That's okay. But then that 75% becomes 60 becomes becomes 50%. And the draw of the old life gets stronger and stronger. And we start to feel trapped by our own sin and shame again. And then Satan takes that moment and he starts to whisper to us, well, you may as well carry on because God won't want you back. We can feel a bit like the national capital region, right? So the national capital region, it's in Ontario, right? Yes, sir, no doubt about it. But I thought that the national capital region is actually over in Quebec. Uh, it is. So which is it? Is the national capital region in Quebec? Or is it in Ontario? And so we shrug our shoulders and we say, well, I guess it's both. And we can start to live our lives like, like with the NCR, like with the National Capital Region, straddling the boundary between God's kingdom and our kingdom, between God's life and our old life. But the kingdom of heaven is not like the National Capital Region. It's, it's, it's not like Kansas City that's split between the states of Kansas and the state of Missouri. When you cross that boundary of salvation, you are stepping foot into a new administrative reality, into a new spiritual space. When we trust in Jesus as our saviour, we up sticks and we move into the kingdom of his father. We cannot be in Christ's kingdom and still live in our old city, in our old way of life, in our old habits. And those people who try to do this, they are some of the most miserable people on earth. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are that person. But friends, hear this. If you are in Christ, then you are a citizen of heaven. You have come into his kingdom. And once you've come into God's kingdom... You spend the rest of your life praying, your kingdom come into my life. We, we move into God's kingdom in a moment, and God's kingdom moves into us over a lifetime. And God's kingdom being established happens when we make our life's prayer, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
Friends, I moved to Canada in a moment. When I stepped off that plane back in 2004, I was fully here. I could not have been more physically present than I was at that moment. And yet over the past 16 years, this nation has been moving into me. It's been taking up residence in my life. It's been winning me, winning me over. I'm not the same person that I was 16 years ago. I've changed. I've been altered by living in this country. I never used to say A. Now I sometimes say it. The word squash now refers to a vegetable and not a juice drink. A warm hat is no longer a beanie. It's a toque. I've been somewhat Canadianified. And so, and so salvation is like stepping off the plane into a new kingdom. You're 100%. You, you could not be more there if you tried. But then sanctification is allowing that kingdom to take more and more ground in your life. As you are sanctified, your desires and your longings and your wants change. As you are sanctified, you want something else your, your, your priorities shift. You, you start speaking a new language because the king of the kingdom is taking over your life piece by piece, room by room, habit by habit, day after week, after month, after year, until that moment when you die and you experience what it is to have fully come into God's kingdom and God's kingdom to have fully come into you. Here's a water bottle. Now, there's a hole in the lid, as you can see. Um, and here's a bucket or a water holder. Now, if I was to put this in the bucket, the process of submerging is instantaneous, right? You can get uh, this, this container, this this bottle into the water right away, right? Watch, straight away, yeah? Submersion is instantaneous. This is salvation. But then it takes longer for the water to get into the bottle, as you can hear. Similarly, you get into the kingdom as soon as you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. As, Mark, as Jesus tells us in Mark 1.15, Jesus says that the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Boom, you're in. But then the process of sanctification, of getting the kingdom into you, is much longer. As 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse, verse 23 tells us, may God himself the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That's a process. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We've been told that life in Jesus is just about salvation, about this one-time choice that we make, that, that, salvation, that our life in Jesus is just, uh, is just really about, as it were, uh, trying to get our you know, the bottle into the water. But scripture makes it clear that life in Christ is about 
his life in you. It's about uh, walking in his footsteps. It's about following his example. It's about, it's about allowing um, God's kingdom culture to, to, to work its way into your very self, into the core of your being. It's about getting the water into the bottle. This is what praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means. It's praying that God's rule is established across the world and it starts in your life. And so everyone has to answer two questions. First, am I in God's kingdom? Have I been saved? Secondly, is God's kingdom in me? In increasing measure, am I being sanctified? In uh, Luke chapter 17, uh, Jesus is asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he replied that the kingdom of God is not something that, that, that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. Wherever Jesus is, where, wherever he's worshipped as Lord, wherever God is acknowledged as king, that's where the kingdom of heaven is. And so we can say that God's kingdom has come. Where the gospel is proclaimed and lives are changed and sinners are set free, there is God's kingdom right there in that place, in that location. And yet it's not here in its fullness. God's kingdom is still resisted by rival monarchs, okay? So we have, have the kingdom of the world, and we have the kingdom of the flesh, which is the old life, and we have the kingdom of the devil. And Paul talks about these in um, verse 1 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, where he says this, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, rival kingdom number one, and the ruler of the kingdom of, of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This, this, is the, this is the kingdom of the devil, rival kingdom number two. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, rival kingdom number three, and following its desires and thoughts. And then Paul paints this beautiful picture of this new life in Jesus' kingdom. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. All of this is by grace. Uh, it is by grace that you have been saved. And so this boundary has been crossed. We're now in a new kingdom. And now in Christ, we're waiting for that moment when Jesus' kingdom comes in fullness. But as we wait, as we long for that moment, we're at war with these rival kingdoms, the world and the flesh and the devil. And none of them wants to give any more ground than they have to, to God and his coming kingdom. And so they resist and they resist in your life. And they fight. And this fight is taking a place across the world. Matthew chapter Chapter 11, verse 12, tells us this. From the days of John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. And we live in this time between Jesus' first coming, his first announcement of the kingdom uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and its fulfillment in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where the angel shouts, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. 
That's, that's our hope. That's our dream, but it's not here yet. And so we live in this time in between times. And, and as we live in this time in between times, the uh, front line of the battle is your heart and my heart is your mind and my mind. And on this front line, we engage these rival kingdoms over and over again. We wage war. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 through 5. And how do we do that? By praying, your kingdom come, your will, will be done. And we don't just pray it, right? We have to live it out. Friends, the only one who can stop God working in my life is me. And so I have a choice in front of me and you have a choice in, in, in front of you. We either pray, your kingdom come, or we pray, my kingdom come. And God says to you, as he said to, to the children of Israel, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods, or the gods of the Amorites, the old gods or the new gods, in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 15. Friends, everyone serves someone. Everyone serves someone. You are living in service to someone right now. And it's either God or it's someone else. It, you know, it's either God or it's the world or the flesh or the devil. And when we willingly choose to serve God, we are, we are giving him control over the thermostat. We are giving him control over our lives. We are allowing him to drive and we're happy to ride shotgun. Let your will be done in my life as it's done in heaven. Friends, maybe Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 is the verse that you need to hear this morning. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with, with me. Amen. So are you listening to what the Spirit is saying to the churches? Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you into your life? Or are you resisting him? Are you keeping God at arm's length? Are you straddling or trying to straddle two rival kingdoms? Are you resisting God's kingdom coming into your life? Are you praying instead, Lord, just leave me alone so that my kingdom can come, so that my will can be done here on earth? Now, you have to be very careful if you, if you pray that prayer because God will answer that prayer. 
He will allow you to remove yourself and to back yourself away from, 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 from the intimacy that is your spiritual birthright in Christ Jesus. He will allow you the freedom of the prodigal son. And when this happens, God's heart breaks. When you hear God saying, okay, have it your way, your kingdom come, your will be done, you may experience it as a flame dying down in your life. You may feel it as falling out of love with God, as it were. And then the passion is gone, and the fire's gone, and then you start to look elsewhere for what only God can give you, which is life to the full. And so God waits patiently for you to come to your senses, like the sun in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And so if this is you, then listen to God's words to his church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Friends, in the quiet of your heart, answer this. Does God hold something against you right now? Are you grieving him? Are you letting the world and the flesh and the devil re-establish control over your life? Consider how far you have fallen. And then listen. Listen to what the Spirit says. Repent and do the things you did at first. Since, since Adam and Eve, God has given every human being the freedom to choose God's kingdom or to choose their own. Listen to me. God will not be a visiting monarch to your kingdom. God does not arrange a state visit to a rival power. He is, he is not willing to power share. He will not be part of a, of, a, of a minority government in your life. He will be Lord of all or he won't be Lord at all. It was never God's plan just to save you. He wants to sanctify you through and through. He, it's, it's, not enough just for you to move into his kingdom. He wants his kingdom to move into you. And so I leave you this morning with this plea from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Maybe your thoughts are about, well, are about writing you off. Maybe you, you think that you've passed that line of no return. But God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Our father was working in the life of that 17-year-old suicidal atheist in Chennai 
India. And 70 countries and 30 books later, our father was still working when Ravi went home to be with him. And our father is working now. Friends, God wants all of you. All of your heart, not 50% or 60% or 70%, but all of it, he longs to be the king of your heart. And as we seek him, as we forsake our ways, as we forsake our own thoughts, we return to this Lord who is compassionate, who abundantly pardons, and we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. 